The reading is is Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 to 16. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom, with three chief ministers over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them, so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the chief ministers and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the chief ministers and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So these chief ministers and satraps went as a group to the king and said, may King Darius live forever. The royal ministers Prefects, satraps, advisers and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room, where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or human being except to you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed He was determined to rescue Daniel and make every effort until sunset to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. What a start for a sermon. 
an amazing song. So I'd like to start just by praying. Dear Lord, may my thoughts and words help us in our insight into your word and guide us in our application of this word into our lives. Amen. So here we are, Daniel. Those of you who've been following with us as we go through the weeks, the political structure has just shifted in Babylon. Following the victory of the Medes and Persians in conquering the city, which we heard about from Edward last week, Darius is now formulating and implementing his plans on how to govern his kingdom. Cabinet changes, reshuffles. And he creates the satraps, which are effectively provincial or regional governors, leaders of city or city council, but with a little less democracy. We heard last week that Belshazzar had promised Daniel a senior position in his government, and it would seem at first sight that the conquering ruler might not choose to retain the earlier officials. It's not the normal practice. But the Persian rulers have, had, have a record of respecting the Jews, and Daniel is now one of three senior officials, equivalent maybe to first minister of Scotland or Wales, and the satraps reporting to him. Now, Daniel's got an exemplary reference. His colleagues, the senior ministers and satraps reporting to him, agreed that they could find no corruption in him. He was trustworthy, neither corrupt nor negligent, and it's probably for these very reasons, considering that, as mentioned earlier in the passage, the key duty of the chief ministers was so that the king might not suffer loss. And it may be that that meant that Darius was now intent on setting Daniel above the whole kingdom. And it seems that it's this promotion and the possibility of being accountable to Daniel that fired up the other chief ministers and satraps to try and find a way to bring Daniel into disrepute. Now, was it that they were not trustworthy, or that they were corrupt or negligent, that made reporting to Daniel such an uninviting prospect. Now, I I mentioned earlier that they couldn't find any corruption in him. He was trustworthy. He wasn't corrupt. So if they were going to bring charges against Daniel, they figured the only basis would be with the law of God. It says in verse 5, we shall never find any basis for charges against this man Daniel unless it has something to do with the law of his God. How could they achieve this? How could they entice Daniel into some inappropriate action? They couldn't think of a way of enticing Daniel into an inappropriate action. So their solution, let's move the goalposts. Let's change the law of the land in such a way that Daniel's godly life is outside the law. They resorted to extreme flattery of the king. I can just imagine, oh Darius, may you live forever. Oh Darius, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if just for a whole month people could only pray to you? And Darius succumbs to this flattery. 
a god for a month. It sounds good to him. He agrees to the proposal. But there are some strings attached. Firstly, the penalty for not complying is being thrown into a lion's den. And secondly, put it in writing, just so it can't be altered, uh, along with the other laws of the Medes and Persians. Darius is flattered. Job done. And he complies. So, what's at work here? Is this history at work? Is this a sign of the times? Is this horrible history? I don't think it's anything specific. I don't think it is history. What is at work here is human nature. Temptation. Temptation to do evil. The devil at work. And this has not changed through the ages. What's going on here happened then. It happened before. It happens now. Greed. The ability for the hierarchy to cheat or cause the king loss. Envy. Daniel's exceptional qualities resulting in his promotion. A devious nature coming up with a plan. Flattery, a means to put their plan in place. Pride, how an honest man, in my opinion Darius, has dealt fairly, is brought into the plan. Now, have the plotters got this right? Will their plan work? Daniel hears of the decree, goes home, and prays in his room with the windows that face Jerusalem. Daniel continues to pray. He continues his practice, praying three times a day, giving thanks to God. The decree has made no impact on Daniel's behaviour. But it does play into the hands of those plotters who head back to Darius to tell him what's happening. They start off, they check with Darius that he remembers the law, that it still stands. And Darius agrees, yes, it stands, it cannot be repealed. And then they present the evidence that Daniel's not paying attention to the decree. And that he still prays three times a day to his God. The report states in verse 14 that Darius was distressed. He's determined to rescue Daniel and makes every effort to find a way to save him. The plotters come back to repeat their charge to Darius and to demand the necessary punishment. Darius here is beaten. He has to stay true to his word and he has Daniel thrown into the lion's den. The king realises he's been outmanoeuvred and says to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. No condemnation of Daniel for not following his law. No statement regarding his disobedience. And the king continues to demonstrate his concern. Um, If we were just to carry on in this passage to verse 18, Darius, having prayed that Daniel's God, whom he serves continually, will rescue him, spends the night fasting 
fasting and praying. And the report says in verse 18 that sleep fled from him. Now, this in itself is a first point of conclusion for me. This is some example to us from a king who was not one of the Jews. Someone from the Medes and Persians who got things wrong. He gave way to pride. He wasn't careful over his words and in what he decreed. He's got himself into a right mess. But he changes. There's evidence of repentance. And he prays to Daniel's God, continuing to pray through the night in prayer or in in fasting. So... Just for ourselves in that instance, are we prepared, as Darius was, to own up to when we've got things wrong? To spend the night in prayer and fasting. But then on to the main character in this story. How does this apply to us and to our lives? Now, this is a service with plenty of hymns. So I'm going to quote from a hymn. I think, David, you'll be very pleased to have a hymn referenced in the sermon. Dare to be a Daniel, a a song written by one of the travelling evangelists from Sankey and Moody's days in the mid-1800s in the States. Dare to be a Daniel. Dare to stand alone. Dare to have a purpose firm and dare to make it known. Dare to be a Daniel. Daniel was out of place in Babylon. Do we sometimes feel out of place in our world, in our times, in our circumstances? Dare to stand alone. Daniel worshipped the God of Abraham. He not only retained his faith, but he openly witnessed to it. Dare to have a purpose firm and dare to make it known. Do we have that purpose? Do we have that witness? How do we witness? Do we stay true to our faith as a witness in all circumstances? Or even more challenging, do we stay true to our faith as a witness, even when we're in the minority. Now, we shouldn't be surprised how others may react to our witness. And we should look, and, and they look to way, find ways to show us up, to make their own point, or to find fault with our work. And this, again, isn't just those times. This is human nature at work. It's evil in the world. So this theme is certainly common in the Psalms. Psalm 31, verse 13. For I hear the slander of many. There is terror on every side. They conspire against me and plot to take my life. Psalm 71, verse 10. For my enemies speak against me. Those who wait to kill me conspire together. Psalm 88, verse 3. With cunning they scheme against your people and conspire against those you cherish. So the message 
This message is different from the one we may have heard previously, that in being Christian, things will always go well. This passage and the Psalms indicate that for those that follow God, things may not always be sweetness and light, and there may be troubles ahead, and we can expect the unexpected. What's the New Testament have to say about this? Matthew 5, verse 10, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 10, 23, When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. Truly I say to you, you will not finish going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Luke 6, 22, Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you, and reject your name as evil, because of the Son of Man. And the response that Jesus suggests for these times when we're excluded, insulted, or rejected. Luke 6.23 says, Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Because great is your reward in heaven, for that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. And this was Daniel's response. He'd been singled out, set up for trouble. Yet he didn't hide his faith or modify his behavior. He carried on praying three times a day, not to the human king, but reserved his prayer and praise for the heavenly king. So my message and encouragement for you and for myself today is to expect the unexpected. To expect challenges in life. To expect those challenges to be both physical and spiritual. And when they come, stand firm in your faith. Pray and praise God. Dare to be a Daniel. Dare to stand alone. Dare to have a promise. Dare to have a purpose firm and dare to make it known. So can we just conclude a short prayer? Heavenly Father, may these words be true for each of us today. May we dare to be a Daniel. Give us the strength, Lord, as we stand alone. Confirm our faith in us so that we have a purpose firm. And by the inspiration of your spirit, give us the words and the way of dealing with people so that we may dare to make it known. And we ask these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Amen.